Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. So, this is supposed to be, and still might be, the final message of this series. But I realized over the last couple of weeks that, uh, because we've been talking about uh, the difference between uh, discipleship and deliverance. And we talked about that people uh, might need both, but you're going to need one or the other. Everybody's in, in one of those categories. And I've realized as I've been going through this series and having conversations with people, and it's kind of funny as you start to do that, how you know your phone is listening because suddenly the subject pops up on your YouTube suggestions. So I've watched some videos of some other leaders talking about uh, deliverance, and it's amazing to me how much misinformation is out there. Uh, at the very least, there's a lot of information out there that might not necessarily be misinformation in the sense that it's bad, but the expression, in other words, the way deliverance is done, isn't that God can't work through it, but sometimes it's more uh, detrimental to the people than really helpful because it's just unhealthy. So it's got me thinking, I might need to actually do another message, one more that I'll add to this series uh, regarding the how do you know if it's discipleship or deliverance? And I think it's something we all need to know because deliverance should never be spooky. We use the word freedom here. Freedom should never be spooky, but it should set you free. So the title of this message is Free at Last. Free at last. I would think that after nine weeks of going through this series and giving the information we've been giving, that some of you are finally going to be able to sit there and say, I'm free at last, at least from whatever you were struggling with before, because we all are still dealing with stuff. You are, I am, because we're in this life. So it's the, the freedom process is never completely over with because the Lord is always taking us from one level of freedom to another level of freedom. The problem for us is when we don't recognize that we need it and we think we're okay, then you're stuck in bondage. You're stuck in bondage. But we've been in this series called Chain Breaker. Uh, remember a couple of the examples that I gave you because people don't believe that Christians can be in bondage, but Christians can be in bondage indeed. They can be in bondage. And there's a problem with that because the very people who will argue that as a Christian you can't be in bondage are usually the ones who are in some of the most bondage that there is. But they're the last ones to recognize it. We'll be talking about that as one of our points today. But you have to remember, is it discipleship or is it deliverance? Yes, because you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. So we have to be able to articulate, am I dealing with something that is demonic attack or do I need to change my thinking? Do I need to change the way I'm processing? So believers cannot be owned by a demon. So when we talk about possession, and this is, this is just recapping here, you can't be owned because you've been bought with a price. 
But can you be under the influence? Absolutely. Even as a Christian, as a Christian man, if you've been taking an alcohol and you got drunk, does the alcohol own you? Does it? Go ahead, you can answer. No. But is it in you? Yes. Are you under the influence of it if you drink too much? Yes. We also talked about if you came home from, from church today or came home from work at any other point and you found a burglar in your house, does the burglar own your house? No. But is it in you? Is it in the house? Yes. Yes, it's occupying the house. So it's the same principle. And this is what we as believers need to understand is that the Lord came to give us freedom. As a matter of fact, again, freedom is only for believers. It's only for believers. And that's in red letters. Jesus tells it to the Syrophoenician woman. Again, he calls it the children's bread. It's deliverance. It's not for people who are not saved. So again, when people argue and sit there and say, well, only non-believers can be impacted by demons, it's like, um, or the freedom for it is only available to them. Well, it's not. And that's Jesus' words. So you and I have to understand there's something's got to change within us. There's a growth process that has to take place. But we, again, we've been talking about this. And we need this sense of getting rid of the demonic influence in our life. And then once we do that, we need to actually start changing our thinking. We need to retrain our mind. Romans 12. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to start thinking differently. So it's both. So there's four keys to being set free. Ready? Yes? You're really quiet today. All right? We should be getting excited about this. Okay? All right. Here's number one. First of all, recognize that you need help. Recognize that you need help. In all the years that I've been doing ministry and involved in ministry, the only people that I've never seen be able to get free are people who won't admit they're in bondage. Those are the only ones. Everybody else, once they admit it, once they recognize it, they can get set free. But we're going to launch into this story today using the story of the prodigal son. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole thing because I just haven't got time to actually unpack it. But you remember... So far in this series, in the last one, when I did Who Am I, we talked about the prodigal son quite a bit. I love that parable because it is so <laughs> meaty. There's so much in there for us if we'll look for it and understand it and take it in, chew on it, and meditate it. So we're going to use that story again today. So here we are in Luke 15, verse 17. Here's what it says. But when he came to himself, okay, this again, here's what it's saying. When he came to his senses, uh, another way to say, hey, when he finally got a clue, all right, when, when he finally decided, I'm going to quit thinking stupid, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to start thinking differently. He, he had to have a change of mind, not to be crude, but a modern day way, we might say when he finally pulled his head out, okay? When he finally got to that point, that's what it's saying here, okay? He finally gets to that point when he finally admitted that he needed to do something different. And this is what happens for all of us. We just have to admit it. We have to admit that the Lord needs to set us free. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Again, I'm not gonna spend too much time on this first point, but hopefully you get what I'm saying. He finally had to come to the point where he would admit it. I've got a problem. I've got a problem. My own story in December of 1996, 
I thought I had it all together because I had a successful career. I owned nice houses, nice cars. I, as far as the world goes, I had it all together. And then all of a sudden, my life started coming apart, and I thought I had just done everything right. And that's what happened for me on actually December the 4th, the night before I got saved. I came to the end <clears throat> excuse me, of myself. And I sat on the hood of a car, and I said, God, if you exist, I need you to show up because I don't know what else to do anymore. I came to the end of myself. And many believers are still living, even as believers, in pig pens. And until you realize that you're living in a pig pen and decide to change your thought process, you're going to stay stuck right where you are. Right where you are. So, we have to recognize that we need help. Okay, here's point number two. This one's not gonna be such a fast point, so don't, don't, don't get excited and you're not getting out of here too early today, okay? All right, here's number two. Repent to God and to others. Repent to God and to others. Once you recognize you have a problem, we're gonna talk now about the next three things you need to do. It's repent to God and to others. Luke 15, 18. Here's what he says. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and, and, I want you to notice the word and, because we're going to talk about this, before you. Okay, so I want to point out to you several things about repentance today that need to really be understood. Uh, repentance and confession are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Uh, confession, you can say, uh, yeah, I did it and then still not change your behavior. So they're, they're two totally different things. You, you can confess, but at some point you also have to decide you're, you're going to repent. And, 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 and until you do that, until you change, and we're gonna talk about repenting here in a second, until you actually start moving in a different direction, all the confession in the world doesn't change anything for you. See, this, this son, the prodigal, he had to recognize, and then he had to actually go do something about it. And this is what I want to pull apart for you today. He said, yes, I did it. But we understand, again, this, this word repentance. And there's so much bad teaching out there. It's incomplete teaching. But this word repentance is actually made up, made up of two Greek words. It's one word, but it's made up of two Greek words called metanoia. Meta. Uh, meta is where we actually get our word metamorphosism. In other words, it's changing. And noia means mind. It literally means to change your mind. In other words, you have to change your thinking. Many people think that repentance means to stop sinning. That's not what it means. It includes that. There should be this transformation as you, as you change your mind. You start to move in another direction. And instead of going the way you were, we stop, we stop sinning at some point. Another way of saying it is as believers, um, we don't become sinless necessarily, but we should start to sin less. We should be on this trajectory. So it includes that, but it's not what it means. It simply means change your mind. That's all it means. Change your mind. Repent. Just, just think about all the things we've discussed over the last couple of years here at Reimagine Church. All of our freedom ministries, everything that we do, our discipleship groups, it's all about changing our mind. It's about changing our thinking and, and, and how we adjust the polarity of our heart. Here's another thing that, that I want you to understand about repentance. Um, and that is that uh, if, if, we, if we say it means to stop sinning, 
than when we look in Revelation chapter three and chapter five, when God is talking to five of the seven churches, when Jesus is speaking to them, he tells them that they need to repent. And if, you, and if we think it means to stop sinning, then Jesus used the wrong word. Because he wasn't telling them to stop sinning. He was telling them they need to stop, they need to change their mind about what they're doing. And it wasn't, what they were doing wasn't sinful. He said, you need to think differently about this. And by the way, the, the word that's used in the Hebrew is the same word that we see in the Greek. It means the exact same thing. And it actually uses the same word about God. But the translators don't use the word repent. They, t- they change the P to an L. And they use the word Relent. And the reason why they did that is they said, well, we can't sit there and say that God repented. Well, you're right, you can't say that, but that's not what the word means. It doesn't mean that he, to, to, to stop sinning. They can't sit there and say, well, God didn't, doesn't sin. It, it means he changed his mind, and we do say that he, see that he changed his mind. So it means to, again, just change your mind, not stop sinning. So please hear that. Because you're, you're gonna get really confused in a lot of scriptures if you start to apply this and sit here and think, hey, it means to stop sinning, and it doesn't include that. But you also got to understand, uh, it doesn't mean that God ever changes his character. He does change his mind, but his character stays the same. So are you with me so far? Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to explain. But there's, again, there's a lot of bad teaching out there because some people teach that the word uh, grace, for example, that they, they overemphasize the word grace. And they'll actually say, once you repent, once you get saved, you don't ever have to repent anymore. That's bad theology, because we, we, we constantly, we're always in this growth pastor, because again, pastors and, or growth process, but pastors and even some Bible dictionaries, if you look at it, will actually say it means turn from your sin. But what if you're not in sin? See what I mean? You have to, cha- you have to change your mind, you have to, you have to pivot. It's, it's, it's all, it just means changing the mind. So I'm gonna keep saying that over and over again, because it doesn't mean stop sinning. The other thing is, if, if you're sitting here thinking it always means stop sinning, then what happens every time you sin? <sighs> Again. How many of you have ever said, you're, you're gonna stop, I, I repented from something. You said, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Immediately followed by, I did it again, I did it again, I did it again, and I did it again. Okay? Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a process. It's a growth process for us. It's a growth process. But I want you to stand he never changes his character. But you and I have to change our mind the way we're gonna think. And one of the ways that we do that is not only just by allowing the spirit of the Lord to speak to us, but we gotta get our face in the word of God as well so that he can actually start to change our mind and transform our mind. So, for some people, the answer is simply discipleship. For others, and this is, this is something the Lord has to bring through revelation, it's deliverance, it's freedom, it's, it's to to bring an end to the demonic influence in our life so that it doesn't have dominion and authority in us. And then we immediately after that, we have to go into the process of discipleship. We have to put ourselves in a place where we're gonna be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You can do that by being in the word, but you're also gonna do that by being plugged in with other people. See, this is the reason why we keep doing discipleship groups and we have these seasons these semesters, if you will. You know, we, we here at Reimagine Church, we try to set it up just like the school calendar. And there is an expectation on the leadership that for people that are in this church, 
that they're going to routinely get involved in something, get involved in a discipleship group, so they can learn, they can start to grow, and some people will say, but I don't need that because I've, I've just got Jesus. It's just be me and Jesus. Well, I got news for you. That wasn't Jesus' plan. And it wasn't God's plan either. Because most of the time when he pours into us, he does it through the lives of other people that have gone before us. And it's also biblical. Because God creates all of creation and he says, it's good. It's good. There's one time he said, this is not good. When he creates Adam. He said, it's not good for him to be alone. But he'd been walking with God in the cool of the day by himself every day. So when I hear people say, it's just me and God, well, God says that's not good. And it might sound real pious. It might sound real religious to sit there and say, well, it's just you know, me, and, me and God. But he says, that, that's not good. We're built for relationship with him and with others. So he gave Adam a helpmate. And you and I still need that today. The, the church is God's design. It's not man's design. And we, we, so we need, we need each other. Please hear that. Don't be alienated. You want to make yourself the perfect target for the enemy? Go out there and think that you can just do it on your own because you're a big, you have a big S here. You're a big Superman. He'll pick you off. The enemy will pick you off so quick. Because it, and really what's really behind it is Pride. So, we need to change our mind about our sin. We need to change our mind about our sin. We need to repent to God, but here's the key. We also have to repent to others. Others. And I want to show you this. The prodigal son went to his father, and he repented to his father. Matthew 5, 23. This is, this is a scripture that's going to show you how important it is to be right with God and right with others. God doesn't overlook this. He doesn't overlook this. He, what God is really saying is, listen, you want to be right with me? You better go get right with them as well. Because until you get right with them, you're not going to be right with me. Matthew 25, 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go away. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. And here's what God says. Again, you want to be right with me? Then you got to go get right with them. Remember, this is, this is your giving to the Lord. And he's sitting there saying, I'm not going to receive this until you deal with this. So again, we come back to the whole principle of forgiveness. If you're holding unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody else, you're going to stay in bondage. And there's no way you can come to the Father and say, I receive your forgiveness, and then turn around and deny it to somebody else. We've talked about that before as well, didn't we? We gave that example. But remember the $52 million that was owed by the one guy? Master forgives it, and he goes and throws somebody in jail for $42 until they pay it all back. The Lord says, what does he call him? He calls him wicked. James 5, 16, here's what it says. Confess your trespasses. Now, one version says faults, another one says sins, whatever, I don't know what version you're in. To one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That word healed simply means to be free of errors and sin. That's all it means. Confess your sin to another that you may be what? Free. Free. 
It brings healing to us. Again, think about this. How many times do you and I, and we, we've all had them, and you might think of something you're dealing with right now, but if not right now, it's something you're not thinking of. You might say, well, Lord, I have to think about this, but you know something in the past. Again, think of how many times you've thought, I'm not gonna do that again, and yet you did it again and again and again and again. But we, we have to confess, or confess with this, this, this repentance, this, this freedom, and it simply means we, we need to repent to God and to others. The prodigal son actually says to God, I've sinned against you, that's number one, and before you. In other words, he's saying, I only sinned against you, but you saw me do this to somebody else. He's referring to his father. Two, two places right there. Two people that his sin affected. And the Lord wants to deal with both of them. And here's the neat thing about this. Keep in mind about repentance. It doesn't mean that you have to come up front and, and you grab the microphone and, and confess to everybody. But you might need to go to your spouse. You, you might need to go to somebody who's deeply hurt you in the past. You might need to go to a coworker or here's something else. You might need to go to somebody that's a spiritual authority in your life that God has placed there and you might need to seek their forgiveness. But the Lord will reveal that to you. And it probably doesn't take too much. I think most of us, if we know that we're, we have unforgiveness towards somebody, we can, we can think of it pretty quick. There, there might be somebody or something that happened 20, 30 years ago and sort of out of sight, out of your mind, and maybe you forgot about it. And those are the times when we have to ask the Lord to kind of remind us, is there somebody? He might sit there and say, yeah, there's this, your sister, your biological sister. 20 years ago when she did this. And you're like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot about it. And the Lord's like, oh me, I haven't. I haven't. And I want your heart. I want your heart. So here's number three. And by the way, before we get into number three, remember, we're told to bring everything into the light. Satan is a ruler of darkness. That's the reason why we confess to bring into the light so it can be, it can be dealt with. But here's number three. Renounce the lies of Satan. Renounce the lies of Satan. I've told you this before. Every bondage begins with a lie. And you have to change the way you think in order to get free from that bondage. Or it's gonna keep you there. Luke 15, 25. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, our father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, angry. The older brother was angry. This is what I keep telling you. This is really a story of not a prodigal son. It's a story, it's a story of two brothers. They both were in bondage and would not go in Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Now watch the absolutes that he uses here. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may, might make merry with my friends. So we see two lies right here. I never transgressed at any time. That's a lie because he's not Jesus. How many of you here have children? Are your children perfect? Nope. 
And he says, I've never done anything wrong, not one thing. That's a lie, and he believes it. He believes it. Here's number two. He says, you never gave me a goat. Watch what Luke 15, 12 says. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now, again, I want you to watch this very carefully. He divided them his livelihood. He divided them. See, when he left, before he left home and the younger son comes to him and says divide, he not only gave the younger son, he gave the older son his inheritance as well. And under Jewish custom, because he's the oldest son, he actually got a double portion. In other words, of the inheritance, the older son got two-thirds, the younger son got one-third. So he had already received his inheritance, double what the younger son got. And he's deceived. He's deceived. Again, he's believed a lie. And many of us, I'm telling you, a lot of you in this room, you believe some lies about yourself. You, you believe lies about yourself, you believe lies about God. You, you've believed lies about other people in your lives. You've believed lies about other ministry leaders who you theologically disagree with, but you've, bec- you've made them become the enemy instead of Satan being the enemy. And, and sometimes you've picked fights with theological, over theological issues with ministry people that are even what we'd call non-essentials. You say tomato, I say tomato. We're both still going to heaven. You, you, we, we pick battles over the stupidest stuff because we believe a lie. And the lie right there when somebody does something like that is that you're all-knowing and you're not and neither am I. It's pride. It's pride. That's, I told you every lie begins, every, every sin begins with a lie. It's a lie of pride, thinking that you're something you're not. You're holding yourself in really high esteem. Because you can't show grace to anybody else unless they do it your way. Verse 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Son, you are with me. You're always with me. And everything, again, you've heard me say this in the last series, you want a goat, go get one. They're right there. He didn't even recognize that he had access to the very thing he thought he was missing. Again, it's just a lie. And there's so many people in the church, and maybe you're one of them sitting here thinking, that's never me. That's not me. I've never done that. I've I've never left home. I've never gone out and left, left wildly like that. Lived that way, just filling my own needs and my own desires. There's probably a lot of you in here that haven't done that, but let me ask you something. Have you ever looked at another brother or sister in the the Lord, somebody in the body of Christ, and said, but Lord, you don't bless me the way you bless them. You, you You pour out financial blessing on them, but not me. How come that person got to become a pastor and I didn't? How come they got to be asked to be a ministry leader, a leader discipleship group, and I haven't? Lord, you've never done that for me. Hopefully I'm not hitting too close to home. Well, actually, no, I hope I am. But as soon as we do that, as soon as we start to take these attitudes as that we're, we're a victim of some sort, then what happens is the jealousy sets in. The envy, the strife, the bitterness, the unforgiveness and resentment, it all just comes flooding in. 
because we opened that door. We opened the door. And the older brother was just as much in bondage as the younger son was. And there's all kinds of this example in our society. We talk about sibling rivalry all the time. Have you and your siblings ever talked about sibling rivalry? Are you just joking about it? You know what the older one always says? Well, I was the oldest, so I had to always be in charge. So they were always telling the others what to do. The younger one, the younger one says, well, you know, I was younger, so I had to have everything. It's all about me. You know what the one in the middle says? I couldn't get enough attention, so I had to be the life of the party. We, we, we've all done that. We've all had those conversations. We've heard them. We, it, sometimes if we haven't said it, we've thought it. we thunk it. <laughs> but we're not going to say it because some of us were raised smart enough to sit there and say, I'm not going to let everything that's in my head come out my mouth. <laughs> Others like me, not so much. I thought it, I got to say it. Okay? So, but here's, here's, here's the thing. Uh, it doesn't matter what family you're raised in because you're in a new family now. And you haven't got to stay stuck in bondage that way. Let me, let me tell you who you are. Now, I'm hoping you're going to enjoy this. I hope you're going to enjoy it. And hopefully I'm going to hear some amens out of this because this is important. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you some things that your heavenly father has to say about you, about you, about you, about you. This is, this, is a, oh, this, is, this is something I say about my favorites. This is something I say about all of my children. I've got four of my children, my own children. I love them all. I could say the same things about all of them. I would sit there and say, well, that one's my favorite. Much to Lucas's chagrin. <laughs> my son who's typically here. But here it is, okay? Enjoy this. You're a child of God. That's good news. Born again by the word of God. I'll hang my hat on that. Kept by the power of God. Who can say amen to that? That's, that's pretty good. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. That's something that you are. That should set your, your, your wood on fire. Uh, seated in heavenly places. You're seated in heavenly places. Uh, he put all things under your feet. Again, can we, any of us say hallelujah to any of that? That's some pretty good stuff. He's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That, again, we, that, we've been talking about that for eight weeks. That's, that's some good news. You've been made more than a conqueror through him. Yeah. yeah. That, you know what you just said right there? You can go kick some tail. Because you've been given that power and that authority. You can always trust in him. And greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. That's who you are. That's who you are. And it should always excite us. Because those are God's great and precious promises. But most of the time, we, we, again, uh, how many of you throughout the week ever hear the enemy criticizing you about anything? Yeah. How many of you can sit there and say you hear the word of the Lord in your voice, in your, in your ear every day? What's wrong with that picture? Why is it we so easily hear the voice of the enemy, but we can't hear the voice of God when we've been told all these great and precious promises? That's a problem for us. You talk about needing to retrain your thinking. The enemy has a louder voice in us than the person of the Holy Spirit does. And we wonder why we struggle. And the reason why he has such a loud voice in us is because he's constantly bombarding us and the Lord wants to speak to you. 
through his word, by his spirit, and through other people, but you and I won't avail ourselves of his word every day, and we avoid being around other people. Because sometimes those people know us really well, and we're kind of afraid of what they just might say. Because we don't want to hear that. Because it sounds too familiar and it's too painful and we don't need any more bad news. I, I, I don't need somebody to correct me. Especially in an area where I don't want to be corrected. But if you want to get free, you're going to have to renounce the lies of Satan. When I'm walking with people through prayer and we're taking them through a time of freedom, the first thing we have them do is we have them renounce the lies they believed. Audibly. I want the enemy to hear that person say, I renounce every one of the lies you've spoken over my life and into my life. He needs to hear that. Okay, here's number four. Receive the, the gifts of the Father. Receive the gifts of the Father, Luke 15, 22. But the Father said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put the ring in his hand and sandals on his feet. So the first thing he gets is his robe of righteousness. Here's what Isaiah 61, 10 says. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. If you want to get set free, you're going to have to receive forgiveness from God. You're going to have to receive his righteousness. And the other thing a robe did is it would also identify you. It told people who you belong to. That you gotta receive his righteousness. And Jesus did that on the cross. It's not by your own works. So you haven't gotta do anything to earn that. Number two, ring of authority. The ring represents authority. When Pharaoh put a, jo a ring on Joseph's finger, it gave him authority. He was second to none outside of Pharaoh himself. You've been given authority. And authority that we've talked about before. Remember, even demonic spirits, they have to respond as obedient, submissive slaves. They can't argue with you and refuse to do what, you're to what they're told unless, unless they've been given permission to stay there. But you've been given the authority. You know, when I was a police officer, when I first became a police officer, of course, I went to the police academy. I had to take some tests to show that I had some basic understanding and knowledge. My first day in the police department, they put me in a uniform and they put this thing called a badge on my chest. That badge had the seal of the state of Texas in the center of it. What that badge was saying is the state of Texas gave me all of their authority as a representative. And even if people disagreed with me by Texas law, if I was on a traffic stop or in a house, didn't matter if you disagreed with me. The state says, you don't argue with him at that point. You want to argue, you come in to the court and have your day in court. But on site, all of the authority of the state of Texas and the power that comes with it is, is set in that badge. Not in the patch. The patch is totally who I work for. Police officers in the state of Texas, they're all police officers for the state of Texas. They're paid by different cities, but your authority goes from the Mexican border to the Oklahoma border. And I'm telling you, you've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a kind of a pretty big place. You can take it everywhere you go. You have that authority. So you're given this ring of authority. Third thing with the shoes of power. Here's the thing you need to understand about power. Power is not something. It's someone. It's someone. It's the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And you heard me say this before about shoes. 
Those Roman sandals, those shoes, they had cleats on the bottom of them so they could fight uphill in advance against the enemy. And you and I have been given that authority. And we've been given that power. And we have the identity. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses with his power, his authority. All the forces of hell cannot stand against you. They can try, but they can't be victorious. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up because I'm gonna pray for all of you right now. We're gonna take authority and you're gonna, you're gonna receive some freedom in your lives here. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to all just stand with your hands. All this is, it's, it's just, that, that's, a, that's, have you ever had anybody hand you anything? Did you do this so they can give it to you? Okay, this is exactly what you're doing. This is just a position of receiving. And I, I'm gonna pray for you. And, what I'm gonna, and part of the prayer, I'm gonna have you just repeat something very short after me and then I'm gonna pray for you myself. And when I do that, after you repeat after me and I say amen on that part, the next part of the prayer, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to go like this and, and, just, and just keep your hands up and just, again, just praise the Lord for what he's doing for you, okay? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, again, so people can have peace here. And don't think about the person next to you. As I'm praying for this, I want you to pretend you're the only one in the room and it's Jesus standing in front of you and he's looking directly at you. This is, this is between you and him. So here we go. Ready? All right, again, I'm just gonna lead you in prayer here. And as I do, he, he might bring other people in mind to you. I just, I thought, I, I'm really feeling like some of you, some of you people right now, you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna think of other people that you need to go to repent to, you need to ask for forgiveness for. And, and when you do, I, I want you to just repent to the Father and just say to him, Lord, I, I, I repent. That's all you have to do. He's, he's, you haven't gotta rehearse the details, he knows this. But I want you to be willing to share with somebody else later on. Bring it into the light. And then afterwards, at some point in this church or wherever you go to church, get plugged into a group where you can be fed. You ready? You're going to repeat after me. Father, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. I ask you to release me from every bondage. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to keep praying for you, so just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, with the authority given to me, I address Satan and I take authority over every demonic spirit that hold my brothers and sisters in bondage in Jesus' name. And I command you to go in Jesus' name, not by the authority of my voice, but the authority name of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters have, been over, have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. I take authority over every spirit of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, malice, envy, jealousy, and I command you to go right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every spirit of insecurity, inferiority, fear, rejection, self-hate, self-pity, self-destruction, suicide. I command you to go right now in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of anger, rage, murder, violence, or lawlessness, 
I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of sexual immorality, sexual impurity, adultery, fornication, lust, pornography, all forms of sexual impurity, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of pride or lying or Jezebel spirit, rebellion, deception, manipulation, control, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of criticism, judgmentalism, racism, arrogance, prejudice, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of greed, materialism, selfishness, covetousness, selfish ambition, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Depression, anxiety, worry, suicide, I command you to go. Addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, gluttony, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of legalism, religious pride, heresy, false doctrine, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of stealing, slothfulness, laziness, unbelief, rebellion to, the, to authority, go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of guilt, shame, embarrassment, humiliation, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of sickness or disease, infirmities, uh, chronic health issues, I say go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of witchcraft, occult, or blasphemy, I command you to go in Jesus' name. I break every curse, word, and spell spoken into my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Every generational curse, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Every demonic spirit that has held my brothers and sisters in bondage, listen to my voice right now here at this church and even on the internet, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And I'm gonna continue to pray for all of you right now. I just want you to take a minute. I just want you to take just one minute because, because some of you are going to start to think uh, I, I, it's not going away. It's not leaving. And I, I don't want you to believe that. I want you to understand we just took authority in all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And by his authority, those spirits, those demons have to loose. They have to set you free. They don't have the authority to stay if you tell them they have to go. They can't stay unless you grant them permission to stay. You're the only one. You're the only one who has the control to let them stay. You're the only one that has the power and the authority to do that. So don't think that. You need to train your mind. You need to change your thinking and grasp a hold of the truth of what God has said. Now, Richard, again, I'm gonna pray for you. I'll just repeat this after me, and then we'll, we'll close here. Lord... I received the Holy Spirit. And will you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Every place that was vacated by an evil spirit, every place in my mind, in my thinking, where I've been in bondage to lies, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Lord, right now, I just ask you to again fill my brothers and sisters with your overflowing peace joy and love right now from the tops of their head to the bottom of their feet in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen why don't you give the Lord a hand so I haven't actually said this in a long time but I'm going to say it again I thought about this today I was like wow I used to say this all the time and I don't I'm going to ask you as you're leaving here today and as you're going as you're processing and even right now, I just want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? 
don't think, gosh, Holy Spirit, what did you say to the other people in the room? It doesn't matter what he said to the other people in the room. What do he say to you? What do you say to you? Now, here, here's the other thing. You can't just ask, what are you saying to me, and then not respond to it. You have to ask, what are you saying to me, and then you're going to have to decide in your decider what action you're going to take. You have to choose. You have to make the decision that you're going to repent. Remember what that means? You're going to change your thinking, and you're going to do something different. So, Lord, what are you saying to me? And in light of what you're saying to me, here's how I'm going to respond. And the reason why I say that every single week is because I don't know how many, I imagine it's probably in the thousands of churches across the country and around the world where people are hearing good teaching. Some churches, not, maybe not. But let's just narrow it down to the churches that people are hearing good teaching. And people think, wow, that was so good. But then they leave and they never do anything to activate it in their life. How crazy, how crazy that the person who goes and looks in the mirror and immediately walks away and forgets who they were. That's just silliness. Why would any of us do that? Lord, you were so gracious to me. You spoke to my spirit and you just said something to me that you're concerned about because you love me so deeply. And I'm just gonna sit there and really just say, Oh, well, wow, wow, how devastating. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for the people at Reimagined Church. I want you to walk in complete freedom, freedom from the lies. So I'm gonna ask a couple people to come up front now and be up here to pray for you if you need prayer. And then we're, I'm gonna dismiss you. If you have never, because I don't know everybody in this room, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, it's both. There's two different things. He's everybody's Savior. But if you haven't asked him to be your Lord, in other words, submitted your will to him, this would be the time to do that. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's all there is to it. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to come up. Let us pray with you. Make that commitment, because he's already committed to you if you'll commit to him. And if you have done it, let's say you did it years ago, you were a child, or you did it two years ago when you were an adult, but nothing in your life has changed. You just, you, you made an emotional response at one point. Something tugged at your heart and you went up and you voiced it, you came out of your mouth, but your life hasn't changed. You haven't taken any steps to change your thinking. Then come up and let us pray with you. Let, 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 let us help you just reaffirm that commitment. And then, and then, let us walk you through the process of discipleship. Let us help you grow. Let us help you learn. Pour into you help you receive the healing and the freedom that you need and then equip you and then empower you and then release you. We don't own you. You were bought with a price from the Lord. He owns you or he's about to and life will never be the same. 
So if you've never done that, I wanna encourage you, it will change your life and it means the difference of everything. So I'm gonna encourage you to come up right now for prayer. If you need, if it's for salvation, if it's for healing, jobs, finances, again, whatever it is, let us pray with you. Let us agree with you. Maybe, maybe you realize there's somebody you need to seek forgiveness from and, and you're like, I don't quite know exactly what to do. Come up and let us pray with you. And, and, and maybe we can give you some ideas on how you can approach or maybe there's sometimes, sometimes the, the forgiveness is just within you because the damage, the hurt that was done was so devastating, you can't go and say anything to that person. Maybe they're not even alive. And you wonder, well, how do I ask for forgiveness from somebody that's gone? That's okay. That's okay. Because forgiveness is not about releasing the other person. It's about, it's about releasing you. It's not about letting them off the hook. It's about letting you off the hook. It's not about saying what they did didn't hurt or that it's okay or that you have to open yourself up to it again. It's none of that. It's none of that. It's setting you free. Setting you free. Judicial forgiveness is between them and the Lord. You and I can never have anything to do. We don't have any say about judicial forgiveness. That is strictly between them and the Lord. But we're concerned about what he's concerned about right now in this house is your relationship with him. Don't let anything keep you from that. So Father, I just, I pray for everybody right here right now as they leave, as they go about their business today. Father, I pray that right now before they leave this house, that they won't talk themselves out of seeking you and getting prayer. That they don't believe the lies of the enemy, they don't need it or they're okay, or they can just do it some other time. Lord, by your spirit, Holy Spirit, draw each person, each man, each woman, each child in this room, in this house, to you right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Folks, you have a blessed week. It's best. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.